Lisboa, Bruxelas, Varsóvia. Europe is us with Dino. Europe is us, but who are we? Stay with us and you'll find out. Today's topic, migration. Today's guest, Susanna Vivo, founder of the first youth NGO focusing on peace building in Estonia called PACE and a policy and advocacy officer at the Estonian Roundtable for Development Cooperation. Susanna, the Roundtable is dealing with issues connected with development, cooperation, environment, circular economy, but human rights as well. And how is your work linked with the field of migration? The structure of this organization can seem a little bit difficult. Like it's it's doing a lot in, in a lot of different like fields of work. How we are able to do this is because we are a platform. So we are an umbrella organization for 34 NGOs that work with some specific development or global education like topics or, or some fields. Um, so we have organizations that are entirely focused on migration and we have organizations that work more like outside of the European Union and mainly on our partnering countries or in our partnering countries like on the field organizations that only work in Estonia with educating the general like population in here. Uh, but to answer your question, how is it connected to migration is um, that we are like our member organizations are some of the biggest NGOs or CSOs who are currently working with the like, current migration wave, who are evacuating people from the borders to, to come to the Baltics, to come to Estonia, who are um, finding resources to welcome people in Estonia and uh, find them safe and comfortable places to stay, uh, some kind of outlets to do and so on. So we work together very closely with, uh, with the government, with, dif with different governmental institutions. Um, and yes, so migration is one of the Well, definitely one of the main topics that the network is currently working with. Seems like your network really is functioning and your communities like PACE as well. What exactly is PACE, Susanna? Yes, so I founded this organization about two and a half years ago. Uh, and I was mainly inspired by the United Nations Resolution Youth Peace and Security because I realized that there are no organizations in Estonia that would primarily focus on implementing this resolution. And so I wanted to create some kind of a, like, a, like a platform or just like some kind of an environment where young people can have a say in peace building, in conflict prevention, and where we can actually shape the like the face of, of peace in our society according to the face of young people. And this is uh, like the reason why, why I started the organization. And we have been quite busy ever since the beginning. And we have been mainly working with the young people that are like that speak different native languages that have been living kind of parallel lives in Estonia. And we have been building bridges between people who are not so connected in their everyday lives. And was it hard to find young people who could relate to the idea of peace? Uh, that's that's actually a very good question. Um, let's say that uh, from uh, from the like donor side or like stakeholder side, it was quite easy to to find institutions and to find some kind of partners that would uh, that would connect to this idea and would want to collaborate. But from young people's side, it was definitely difficult at first because that was 
that was late 2019 when we didn't even have the pandemic yet. So life was pretty beautiful back then. And the like the whole idea of peace, it was something so granted that we didn't really think about this. My generation, we have we, we grew up in a free country, in a sovereign country. And so peace is something that has always been there and, uh, you know, that we figured that will always be there. But of course, like ever since the pandemic started, and especially now when we see that the security situations can differ very quickly or can change very quickly, now we we have like this kind of new new passion for peace or like new passion for um, for conflict prevention and for any kind of citizen movements. So today it's definitely a lot easier than it was two and a half years ago. Thanks, Susanna. Let's now hear how youth is experiencing migration in other countries. Our guests in the voice of Gen Z this time are Andonia from Bulgaria and Bagdash from Turkey. We have more chances to go abroad, to work in other countries, to study there. For me, in the beginning it was a little difficult to join, but I had to take this decision because it's a really big step in my life that will take me to new heights. First, I look at the people abroad as a nation, as climate, as job opportunities, what I can find. Once, my family and I were in Norway. We lived there for three or four months. I've also been in Germany, Spain, North Macedonia. I was born and grew up in a small city in Turkey. I had the opportunity to get many impressions about the immigrants coming to Turkey. Especially in the last 10 years, many immigrants have migrated to Turkey. Among this group, more than 2 million Syrians are in the majority. I was a secondary school student when they came to Turkey. So I had the opportunity to meet most of them. Their primarily problem was not being able to find place to stay and not knowing the language. I can say that this process was very painful for them. They didn't come here willingly. They fled the war. That is that because they had no other choice and that was very sad. After nearly 10 million immigrants entered the country, some economic and social change took place in the country. The first major impact of immigrants in the country was the rapid increase in house rents. The second most talked about economic situation, they are employed illegally in industry, agriculture and small business as a cheap labor. Positive aspect of the economy, they start to contribute to production with the small scale shop which they opened. Although Turkey has developed some politics against this migration, it hasn't been successful in all of them. Basic food aid and shelter support were tired to provide it. But unfortunately, it was insufficient. Despite all these problems, both societies developed a break mechanism in order not to disturb social peace. If you look at the failing of immigrants in Turkey, of course they faced many social cohesion problems. So the first months of their migration were more difficult times for them. In summary, since the last situation in the country they came from was very bad. Turkey has been a suitable roof for them to wrap their wounds. On the other hand, they cannot forget the traumas they experienced with the longing for their homeland. And most of their parents stay in the country because they were older. I asked one of them, what do you want to do about the future? 
The answer I got was, my only goal is to work hard and send money more to my family. We're back with Susanna in Estonia, but let's make a short stop in my homeland Slovenia first. At the Faculty of Social Work in Ljubljana, where I study, we had to present at least one migration story from our family's background. Our professor said that everyone has at least one. Could you, Susanna, remember a migration story from your family and share it with us? Um, I had this one funny example from my own family. Uh, so I come from one of the islands from the Baltic Sea, and it's a very secluded area. So the like whole population of the whole island is approximately 7,000 people. And, you know, we are separated from the mainland with the Baltic Sea. So there is not, I mean, the connection between the rest of Estonia is always like somehow, um, well, you always have to put effort into this to actually see other people or, or to reach other, other regions. And, and so from my father's side, my family has been from the same island for at least eight generations. This is as far as we know, we just don't have any data about anything further. But so as far as I know, I am you know, from my father's side, like completely from the same island and with no other DNA, with no other roots. But my mother is from Tallinn, from the capital of Estonia. And she has um, she has been married to my father for 35 years. She has lived on the island for almost 20 years now. And still to this day, she's always like considered or she's referred to as the foreigner or as the as the city girl as the capital girl because even after 20 years and even after having a family that is genetically and originally from the island she's still not considered local um because the community is such is is just so like close-knitted and I think that um, this is quite a strong like parallel of what migration actually feels like to a lot of people, that even if you, you cannot do everything by the book, you do everything perfectly, you, you should be like the best, of, best example of migration, but there is, there is still this kind of like um, obstacles to actually being considered the local. And, and I believe that this is, if, if people knew more about this, if people knew more how, how migrants are never really welcomed in their new communities, or how there are always like some kind of barriers between migrants and the hosting communities, then I think that we, we would just have a lot more solidarity and a lot more kindness towards different people because we, we really don't know what others are going through. And now, Susanna, to keep things personal, I'll ask you a few questions I ask each each of my guests. What is your favorite memory? From when I was, I think, five years old. And that was the first memory that I have from the island that uh, that I, I grew up in. Um, because back then I was living in the capital and then later me and my family moved to the island. And um, I was in my grandfather's like minibus. It was like a Volkswagen uh, hippie bus. Um, and I was sitting in the middle of the two front seats. I didn't have a seat on my own. And I was looking outside of the window. And uh, like when I was looking out, when we reached my family's farm, then our farm animals had gotten outside of like their, their stall or the place where they had to be in. So they were just freely running around in our farmyard. And, uh, and then my grandfather and my father, they had to stop the bus and they just ran out of the, the car and they were just chasing the animals back to where they belonged. So that's um, one of my first memories, one of my best memories. What is your worst fear? Ah, good, 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 good. 
Um, well, I think today my worst fear is um, is that the, the war comes to Estonia and we are not prepared for that. And what is your biggest wish? For the like humankind to find ways how to stop climate change before it's too late. In today's Watchdog's perspective, we won't be going far from Susanna. Our guest is Mart Wallner, a journalist at Kuku Radio from Estonia. If we talk about uh, migration and uh, a view on migration in Estonia, then uh, the one thing we have to uh, really consider is the fact that uh, uh, many Estonians uh, look at the entire topic as we already have uh, almost 300,000 migrants from the Soviet Union who were actually forcibly brought here. Uh, but uh, the f- uh, thing is, uh, there is about uh, 1.2 million people living in Estonia and about a quarter of them are uh, brought here in less than a ho- last 100 years. So uh, that is the like basic point from where Estonians start to look at the migration. Uh, if uh, we talk about the immigration, well, that has happened latest. So uh, because of the Ukrainian war, uh, Estonians are really welcoming immigrants and uh, people who are running away from the war. It wasn't like that uh, during the immigration crisis in Europe uh, like five years ago, uh, mainly because of the cultural background and probably because of the fear, the entire far-right movement uh, in Estonia has really taken off and started during the migration crisis. And um, unfortunately, um, they are still somewhat pretty well represented in the in the in the parliament but uh, if we talk about uh, current situation then estonians look at uh, refugees from ukraine as somebody who has suffered under russia as we are so if you come from the ukraine you are more than welcome here and we have seen that a lot in social media in talking with people but if if you come from the different background if you come from the middle east then uh, unfortunately there is difference in how estonians view the immigrants and refugees from countries like that We are now back with our main guest, Susanna Vivo. 1.9 million immigrants entered the EU from non-EU countries in 2020, but in the current crisis more than 10 million people are already thought to have fled their homes in Ukraine because of the Russian invasion according to the United Nations. And what is the EU doing? On the 4th of March 2022, the EU decided to introduce a temporary protection scheme. Temporary protection is an emergency mechanism which can be applied in cases of a mass influx of displaced persons and which aims to provide immediate and collective protection for displaced persons who are not in a position to return to their country of origin. So bearing in mind that migration is a constantly active field, my question to you, Susanna, is how capable and flexible are our educational systems to include the income 
upcoming youth. I think a very good example that we are seeing almost like all over Europe right now is how Ukrainian teachers are being integrated to the educational systems in a like fast-paced way so that they could quickly adopt and they could quickly start teaching other Ukrainian students. And I think that this is like in this kind of situations where we see millions of migrants within a couple of weeks. So there is um, there is this kind of urgency to this that we haven't seen before. I think that it's it's just wise. It just makes sense to use the resources that you, that you have to integrate the professionals to the like already existing systems, and um, and make it like make it as kind of a landing spot for a lot of students who are actually hoping to finish the school year, who are still studying, who are still uh, getting graded and and trying to you know do their best and. And like feel their their kind of young people or student um, student obligations, um, then I think that this is just a very smart example of how to do this. Thank you very much, Susanna, and thanks everyone for your attention. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen to what we have to say because Europe is us. Lisboa, Brussels, Varsava.